Thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Do us a huge favor. Please rate us five stars. That always helps elevate us on the platforms that you listen to this show on and makes us available to more listeners. So if you give us a five-star rating, you're helping spread the word about the Sooner Schooner Show and the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And write a review. Write a review because constructive criticism is always welcome here and it lets us know what we could be doing better for you. And if you write a review and rate us five stars and take a screenshot of it, you can then send it off to Pete Mundo at Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com and Pete will give you a koozie in return. So it lets everyone know you've got great taste in podcasts and that you get your sports content from one of the best sites on the web in Heartland College Sports Plus. With the Women's College World Series and the Men's College World Series right around the corner, you can be drinking that Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, or heck, you know, that that um, that microbrew all in style with that Heartland College Sports koozie. All right, so let's tell you what's coming up on this week's episode. We'll tell you when the OU Texas game or who will be televising the OU Texas game and let you know if whether or not a kickoff time has been set. Chris Kleiman gets a huge bump from K-State. We'll discuss whether or not he is the current best coach in the Big 12. The folks at the Oklahoman have rated OU's best prospects for the 2024 draft. Do I agree? Do I disagree? And is there one guy that sticks out above all the others that's got the best shot to make it in the NFL? And quickly, just real quick, I want to add this. If you haven't listened to last week's show, go back, do so. We go game by game on OU's 2023 schedule to find out if DraftKings is right for sitting OU's win total at 9.5. Do you go over? Do you go under? All that is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but please check out last week's show as well as this week's show. The OU-Texas game, I think you've known for a while. It's been set for October 7th, which is a huge day around our house. It's my wife's birthday, so I'll say a very early happy birthday to my gorgeous wife, Angela, as we get ready for that. It's a big day for us. You got OU-Texas, and you got my wife's birthday, and um, yeah, nothing can go wrong that day, all right? Nothing, absolutely nothing needs to go wrong. OU needs to win. And we need to have a killer celebration that night. But I digress. Uh, What we don't know, okay, is the time the OU-Texas game will kick off. ABC's going to carry the game, but they've not given us a time. Yes, if you're a betting man and you are willing to go outside of the state of Oklahoma to wager some money on sports or anything else, then bet on 11 o'clock being the kickoff time at least – at least one more year for the for the OU Texas game. I think the biggest surprise in all this is not that ABC's getting the game, but that Fox doesn't have the game because Fox only gets OU Texas for one more season. That's it. You only get the opportunity to market this game one more time. You figured Fox would take advantage of it. They televised the OU Texas game. The Big 12, in a way to kick OU and Texas on the way out the door, would schedule it at 11, and then OU and Texas would get their revenge by playing in the Big 12 championship game this season, and it would all work out, and we would all be happy. 
but Fox isn't televising the game. ABC is. And earlier today, I was on James Hell's show on um, 105.3 CBS Sports Radio in Oklahoma City, and we were discussing this. And one of the things that he brought up, and I don't know to be a true, but I think it's one thing that's worth exploring, is that because OU and Texas are getting out of the uh, Big 12 contract or getting out or able to break their grant and rights a year sooner and getting out in 2024, and the Big 12 is agreeing to take less money for a buyout, maybe part of the deal is that Fox said, hey, all right, you guys, look, the Big 12 can take less money. You can go a year early. Fine, we won't have OU Texas, but you got to be willing to give us at least one OU Texas game in return when you guys join the SEC. That may very well have happened. I don't have anything to back that up whatsoever. But Fox was a lot of the fly in the ointment in OU's and Texas's effort to bail for the FC, SEC sooner than what the Big 12 or what anybody else really wanted outside of OU and Texas. So they were the ones that, that were being sticks about it. And finally, ESPN or whoever got Fox to bend and, and agree to some things they didn't want to agree to. And maybe part of that is, is that you... You give them this game every once in a while and to make things right or to make Fox whole. Uh, the other thing I think will play into that is I, I do believe that you will see OU go on the road to play Big 12 opponents in, in the future. Once OU's moved to the SEC, I can see a game in Manhattan or in Lubbock or Waco, um, hopefully not in Lawrence or hopefully not in Orlando or Cincinnati or for crying out loud, Morgantown, but it would stand to make a lot of sense. Again, Fox is having to recoup money because the Big 12 isn't a sellable product without OU in Texas. It's not that you have bad universities. It's just that they're the secondary and, church and tertiary schools for the most part. Now, you have the University of Kansas, uh, but they're a basketball school. You've got West Virginia... But West Virginia really isn't anything in this part of the country. West Virginia is only a big deal up in their little part of the world in West Virginia and in, in Pennsylvania. And they're not exactly a national brand. In fact, the Big 12's most national brand when OU and Texas leave, think about this for a second. Who is the school you can, eat, you, you can sell the easiest if you're the Big 12? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's not Oklahoma State. It's not Houston. It's not TCU, even though they're in Fort Worth or DFW and supposedly you get that market. No, it's Brigham Young. Brigham Young is the only national brand that the Big 12 has other than Kansas basketball. That's it. That's their big selling point. So, yeah, if you can somehow sn you know, snag a deal where OU and Texas have to play at least you know one Red River shootout, on Fox, yeah, all right, what, whatever. ESPN just blows it off and goes. The problem is, is if that game does end up back on Fox uh, when OU and Texas are in the SEC, as you can imagine, they will probably stick it to OU and Texas and make them play at 11. And, and, and look, if Greg Sankey, if by any chance you're listening to this show, all right, just hear me out here. OU fans are a simple creature. 
Okay, really, they're not. They're a hell of a lot like Alabama fans. Very complex. They're with you win or win. Oh, you and Alabama fans are going to get along famously once the SEC, uh, once OU moves to the SEC. If you're listening, OU fans only want a few things in this life. Yes, they want their football team to win the national championship every year, and they want total dominance in women's gymnastics and in OU softball because that's quite frankly what OU fans have, have gotten very used to. But they want the OU and Texas game to always be played in Dallas. They would prefer it be played in the Cotton Bowl. When the Cotton Bowl finally falls apart, then you can make alternate plans to play it someplace else, but it still has to be in DFW. And they want that kickoff sometime after 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If it moves to Jerry World, fine. We'll all agree to play that game at night. But just make sure that kickoff is after 2 o'clock because nobody likes rolling into the Cotton Bowl with a hangover and listening to shotguns and cannons being fired because you haven't had your hair of the dog. Because the hotel bar is not open by the time that you leave. Maybe you forgot um, Maybe you forgot the Clamato juice. Maybe you can't make that Bloody Mary in the car. And you can't seem to get to the state fair fast enough to down a beer to, to calm that hangover down. Just make sure you start it after two. That's, that's all we're asking. Uh, we'd also like to be able to place a bet here in the state on the game, but you have no control over that. We're just voicing our frustration at that point. So October 7th, OU Texas on ABC. And if both of those teams are undefeated, if somehow Alabama beats, or excuse me, somehow Texas beats Alabama and OU's rolling at that point, don't be surprised if ESPN rolls out the red carpet and does game day there and then they do a big play up about how both it then all of a sudden becomes not just a celebration of OU Texas it becomes a celebration of the Southeastern Conference ESPN would absolutely love that but in order for that to happen both OU and Texas need to be to be undefeated and if Texas beats Alabama you can bet there'll be a there'll be a major hype train ready to go for that one 49 to nothing notwithstanding from last year it's, it's something that can be done. Congratulations to Chris Kleiman. He got a brand-new contract at uh, K-State. Um, eight years, he's going to make $5.5 million a year, which is up by th- which is an increase of $3.3 million. That's what you get for being the only team during the season. Well, I guess you could count that as postseason. All right, that's what you get for being the first team last year to beat TCU. Yeah, because I still don't think the Big 12 championships during the season. It's it's postseason. But you were the first team last year to beat TCU, and it got you a $3.3 million raise per year. Congratulations to Chris Kleiman. At this point, I would say Kleiman is the best coach in the Big 12. I would have Mike Gundy, number two. I was just writing him down. Sonny Dykes, three. Um, Wow. Dave Aranda, I've got it four. I've got Joey McGuire at five. Is Mike Campbell sixth? Is Sark sixth? Who's seventh? Brent Venables. Is he better than eighth? Lance Lance Leipold. Like right now, I've got Lance Leipold at nine. And Kansas did take a nosedive last year, but I feel like I need to have Lance Leipold ranked a little bit higher. I mean, the only thing I know for sure is that Kleiman, Gundy, and Dykes are my top three right now in, in the Big 12. And I always say Mike Gundy because he does more with less. Sonny Dykes, you've got to rate him that high because his team played in the national championship game last year with a bunch of transfer portal kids. 
And Kleiman, Kleiman, I'll say, is number one because he was the smartest coach. He's one of the smartest coaches I've ever seen. He looked at Kansas State. He said, you win with certain players. Bill Snyder did it this way. He won with certain players. He won with a certain attitude. You schedule a certain way. You recruit a certain kind of kid. And he went in and essentially did that. He, he, he took he took the map. He didn't try and put his own stamp on it. He wouldn't say, hey, this is all laid out for me. I'd, I'd be an idiot not to copy Bill Snyder. I think it's smart, so I'll say that he's the best coach. I think they're the top three. I've got no idea what to do with Brent Venables because I don't know if last year was a true representation of how good a coach he is or not. It was his first year coaching as a, it was his first year coaching as a head coach, and you had a ton of kids leave via the transfer portal, and the guys that you brought in – uh, weren't as good as the guys left, and this year you're poised to be a hell of a lot better than you were last year. Again, go back and listen to our podcasts from last week to see how many wins we're, we're predicting OU for. But the roster looks a lot better. Sark's been at Texas two years, really hadn't done much, but Urban Meyer's playing him like a fiddle saying, oh, well, Texas has got the, the best roster in all of the country. I don't know if anybody's got a better roster than Texas, and when Sark fails, I'll swoop in and I'll – I'll I'll take that job. Sark did a really good. Sark was really good at Washington, or at least he was good at. Well, I don't know about really good, but he was good at Washington. He was good at USC. You know, after seriously after three, I don't know where to rank anyone because Dave Aranda, I want to think is good, but Baylor took a step back last year. Matt Campbell seemed to really spit the bit when Iowa State had the most pressure on him, and. It looks like that Iowa State program's really taken a nosedive over over the last couple of years. Leipold, Kansas didn't have a strong finish last year, but it's Kansas, and he got him to a bowl game. The last guy to do that was Mark was do was Mark Mangino. So it's a real mess. I mean, outside the top three, it's a mess if you're trying to rank the Big Twelve coaches, and. The thing with Neil Brown is, I mean, Neil Brown is the only coach in the Big 12 that we can safely say is on the hot seat. And if West Virginia doesn't win six games next year, Neil Brown is gone. Um, you can always make the case that Sark is on the hot seat because Texas is Texas and those people are nuts and they're never satisfied. Venables, I, I okay, yeah, I have said and I will say that Brent Venables is on the hot seat. It's just too crucial a year for him not to be. But the schedule sets up for you to get off of it pretty darn quick. And if you go into the Oklahoma State game with only one loss, then we can we can pretty much safely assume that, that Brent Venables is going to coach OU for the foreseeable future and at least in their first year in the Southeastern Conference. So ranking the Big 12 coaches, hey, I'd love to hear your rankings. Uh, follow me at Sports Radio APD and let me know who you think. Uh, how would you rank the 10 Big 12 coaches? Again, Kleiman one for me, Gundy two. Yeah, I know, I hear the boos. Uh, but considering the type of athletes you can recruit and get at Oklahoma State, he does do it. I mean, come on, give the guy credit. He does a lot with them because you're not getting the five-star athletes, and I know it's not popular. Sonny Dykes, and then it, it, it's a hodgepodge after that. It's Maybe it's Aranda, maybe it's Venables, maybe it's kind of hell, I don't know. Um, this Big 12 is just too much of a mess last year to have any you know, d- definitive answer on that. The uh, Daily Oklahoman, or uh, excuse me, the Oklahoman. Sorry, you, that's how you can tell I'm old. I still refer to the Oklahoman as the Daily Oklahoman. I mean, seriously, uh, don't let my taste in 
you know, modern music like L.A. Guns fool you. Um, no, I'm old. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an old fart, and I always call the daily. I always call the Oklahoman the daily Oklahoman, even though it hasn't been that in probably what 15, 20, 20 years, maybe even even longer than that. Uh, but they they gave a list of of OU's best uh, NFL prospects for the 2024 draft, and not a shocker, Andrew Rames is on there, the senior center out of out of Broken Arrow. And for OU, I would think any offensive lineman is a great NFL prospect because you've just got a laundry list of guys that have been, that have played under Bill Biedenboe that just that just basically go from OU and seamlessly fit into what the NFL needs them to do. I mean, it's hard to think that there isn't a better offensive line coach than Bill Biedenboe. In the country, I, I can't think of a guy who's better than Bill Beanbow. But don't. But look, I, I doubt you can name you know five offensive line coaches off the top of your head. I don't know. Maybe you can. I mean, maybe you are that much of a football geek. And if you are, mad respect, mad respect on that. But yeah, Andrew Rains certainly, if, if for no other reason, you're playing under Bill Beanbow, and NFL teams love offensive linemen from OU. Billy Bowman's on this list. Safeties, safeties are hard for me to pinpoint. And this is my favorite position on the football field. And you're like, why? Because they're hybrid players. You're usually not fast enough to play corner and you're not big enough to play linebacker, but you're asked to do both of those positions. You have to be fast in order to cover and you have to be a devastating hitter in order to stop the run or, you know, back when it happened, you know, lay guys out when they go over the middle. I honestly tell you, my two favorite players in the history of the NFL are Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott. Man, I love safeties. I love big hitting safeties. Throw Roy Williams in there. Roy was a badass too. Like, I love those cats. Billy Bowman certainly isn't a Roy Williams. He's not a bad player. It'll be interesting to see just how much OU secondary improving in, um, helps his draft prospects for next year. Um, he did, you know, he had to miss week six and seven last year with a with an injury, just a sophomore. So you feel like he's got more growing to do, but hey, three years removed from high school, can't do too much growing because the NFL wants you out by that third year. Uh, Stutzman, God, man. Have we wasted, has OU wasted Danny Stutzman's career? Think, just think about that for a second. I mean, we all agree Danny Stutzman's a stud, right? And, and Danny Stutzman is the type of guy who's who's going to rack up tackles during a game. The Nebraska game is kind of the first one that, that comes to mind for me, but Danny Stutzman's the type of guy we're going to look up in like one game, he's going to have 20 tackles, and he's absolutely amazing. But think about what OU's done since Danny Stutzman's here. They've had an appearance in the Alamo Bowl in an 11-2 and season that was more of a mirage than it was actually an 11-2 and season. And then you had the 6-7 and season last year. You feel like Danny Stutzman deserves better. So if OU can somehow manage to win between 9 and 11 games, during the regular season this year, A, it helps Danny Stutzman, but B, I will have felt like we have gotten the absolute most we could get out of him. It would just be a real shame to see him go to the NFL, have a lot of success, and then feel like we didn't get as much out of him as as we could have while he was in Norman. Austin Stogner, yeah. I mean, another good OU tight end um, that'll probably have a chance to make it. One of, one of those, you know, as we say on our show, because – Coach Jones and I are old. What are the newer tight ends 
Uh, one of the new tight tight ends who's a bit more of a receiver uh, than he is necessarily a blocker. But Dylan Gabriel came up on this. Um, who Dylan Gabriel last year? God, I didn't realize that that he threw for over three thousand yards and had twenty five touchdowns. I, I didn't realize that because he completed less than sixty percent of his passes. Not only that, Dylan Gabriel's 5'11", 200 pounds. Is he two hundred pounds? Is he really 5'11"? I think football um, football reference had him at like six foot. I'm like, Dylan Gabriel's not six foot. I imagine he's probably 5'10". Dylan Gabriel's going to have to show a lot more. The arm strength is improved. He's got a stronger arm than I gave him credit for. He can move outside the pocket. He can definitely make plays with his legs. But can he be consistent enough? Can he stay healthy enough? in order for an NFL team to feel comfortable either drafting him or bringing him into camp. I I think at the best, you're probably looking Dylan Gabriel on the third round, but more likely the fourth and and lower for teams that aren't seeing him as a starter but a possible backup. And and it's not that I wish ill will on the kid. There just needs to be more. Like today, James Hale did try to convince me that he could be the best quarterback in the Big 12. I don't don't agree with that. I I don't think he can. Um, I think Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, I think Ewers will probably finish ahead of him. Um, even if OU wins that game, I think Ewers might be the better of the two quarterbacks. And the kid of Kansas is good. I love the kid at K State, but again, but that's all right. But that's me because I like I've fallen in love with anyone I think can be the next Josh Allen. All right, I like the bigger guys that can run, throw, have strong arms, and that's not really a fair compare. Like I'll admit, that's that's not really being fair to Dylan Gabriel. Um, I'm not convinced that the best quarterback in the Big 12 isn't uh, Malik Murphy, the backup at Texas right now. But obviously, he wasn't good enough to to beat out Ewers. So we don't get to see him for another year. Um, Man, Gabriel, NFL prospect, it's not, I don't know. I don't have him pegged as that. But hey, I'm the guy that didn't think Austin Reeves would be all that good in the NBA. And look at him now. He's the third best player on the Lakers. And there's not even a doubt about it. So take so take my my assessment of Dylan Gabriel with, with, with a grain of salt. But I'm telling you, man, I would love to see Billy Bowman make it. I would love to see Billy Bowman fall in the line of the Roy Williams, the the Rodney Harrisons, and the Ronnie Lott guys. I mean, and not that Roy Williams is a Hall of Famer, but dude, he could lay some wood. And that that to me is great football. Is watching those big safeties just knock the taste out of somebody's mouth. That wraps up this week's show. Hey, congratulations to Jalen Hurts on getting your Masters and getting your O-ring and, of course, obviously the big contract. Congratulations to Bob Stoops on winning the XFL championship with the Arlington Renegades. So now you've got another championship ring to put next to that 2000 championship ring. And thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next week. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to um, quote, to quote, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.